You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hello there, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. I am Erin Kazmark, the best host. And I am A.F. Grappin, the betterest host. That's not a word. That's not a word. I'm a writer. I can make up words. Oh, you do speak English. That's right. I English. Forgive me. <laughs> you know what we have today? Words. Yes, a lot of words, and very few of them actually said by us. <gasps> the scandal. This is another Balticon bonus episode. Woo! I love Balticon. So this is the panel, How to Write an Effective and Engaging Short Story. Ooh, that's a good one to put on this podcast. Well, yeah. So give it a listen. Now. And then once it's finished, go to our prompts page and write us things because we need stuff. Send us stuff. Send us stuff. Yay. Have a panel. Ta-da. Now we're doing SRO. We've, we've drawn a crowd. Yeah, I hope we've got something to say. I always have something to say. Whether or not it's relevant is really the question. Oh, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> The important thing, that's right, it is. The important thing is, do they have fun? If they have fun, who cares? Yes. Okay, if anybody sees Bud Sparhawk out here, would you please lasso him in here? Or oh, Martin. See that. Yeah. What panel is Storytelling, I think. It's on how to write an effective short, short story. How to cram an entire word in the 6,000 words. There you go. Well, sure. We would give you one of these, but we'll That'd be weird, yeah. No, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I'd appreciate it. I can, I can join y'all. We'll do that, well, but that would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a panel. It's on Saturday, Sunday. Sunday. Whatever Whatever. This shirt is extremely encouraging. So before we get started, anyone that wasn't at the last panel, I wear this to writing panels on purpose. If at first you don't succeed, maybe you just suck. Writers get stuck in this. It's not true. But I wear it because it's funny. (laughs) But it's very, very dangerous. You can get stuck in that attitude. We were just talking in the last panel I was at. And, and it, everyone that was on the panel had a story about particular rejections that they had received. I've got a, there's not really a stack anymore. It used to be paper stacks. I have a few of those. But it's a, a list, an email. I have an email subcategory filter thing. It's all my rejections. And it just, ha- and someone's like, oh, well, you can submit to this market. I'm like, yep, got a rejection from them. Happens. Yes. It's a long line of rejections. Well, you and then you get published, me. and then there's another long line of rejections after that. <laughs> and then you get published. And... Exactly. I mean, even David Gerald gets rejections nowadays, yeah. you know? So if he's getting rejections, who am I to complain if I get a rejection? You know? Well, we still don't have Bud or Martin. Well, this is weird. Has there been a palace coup and somebody's <laughs> taken him out? I mean, he is Sifwa's CFO now. They may have been after the big wallet. I don't know. He was just what at the autograph table. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought I saw him there. Okay, who's, which of you is moderating? Is there room to sit in the bar? Can we leave the door open? <laughs> you are, Joy. 
The first person who I am? Yeah. Oh. There is room up here to sit it does before. say in the thing that Thanks. you are moderating. Oh, darn. Okay, I guess I should read these things, shouldn't I? <laughs> okay, well, let's see what's our time here. It's 1 o'clock, so Sorry. I guess we should start. And when Bud and, and Martin make it through here, just pass their bodies up across. Okay? <laughs> just, I think at this point we should do a mosh pit across. Body surf them up. Body surf them up. That's right. Hey, there we go. There you made it just in time. I was about to have them body surf you. I had a crowd up at the autograph. Oh, God. Imagine that. I had to fight my way through both of them. Take them apart, bud. Take them apart. Come on. Have the other one, too. That's okay. Either the cow, the chicken, or the human. Got it. See, Martin comes in. My God, there's a crowd here. I know. Is this freaky or what? Okay, well, it's time. Are we missing somebody? Yeah, Martin. We're missing Martin. It's like a 60s song. Not George. (laughs) No, no, no. George would fill up the room. But bless his heart. Um, Okay, well, it's time to start, so I guess we should now. We are all here for something about short uh, writing... My eyes are crappy. Interesting and effective short stories. Um, so I'm going to let you guys start. I guess I'm moderating. And welcome to everybody. Um, now, I do ask one thing is that we've got a lot of people in here. So if you've got a question, please wave at me. My eyes are bad, but I will look for you. Because if we start all talking at once, ooh, painful. So let's not do that. Okay. Yeah, right. tell us who you are. Um, my name is Joshua Palmentier. I'm a fantasy author uh, published with Daw Books. I have uh, six books from Daw out at the moment. And the most recent one is uh, Shattering the Lay, um, where the society uses ley lines as power, uh, like we use electricity mm-hmm. for power. Okay, and uh, I also edit anthologies. Um, the most recent anthology I've edited is, that's out now is uh, Clockwork Universe, Steampunk versus mm. Aliens. Um, and I started a little small press uh, called Zombies Need Brains, which put out the most recent anthology. So we have a table down in the dealer's room. So if you want to find out anything about the books or about me, just stop by the table. Cool. Uh, I'm Eric Hardenbrook. Uh, I have a number of short stories out. One of my favorite, most recent ones is from the Defending the Future series uh, from Dogs of War. Uh, I also have a story in TV Gods, which is take your take your favorite pantheon and your favorite TV show and mash them together. So my story, Leave it to Buddha, is in there. Um, thank you for that. Uh, I'm also part of a fan group in based in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Watch the Skies, and we've published a monthly fanzine for the past 15 years. Cool. Okay, bud. Okay. I'm in these. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's there's five books in this series, and I've got one or two stories in in each of them. And uh, I've got some signed copies in Fantastic Futures, which is upstairs, and my new novel, uh, Distant Seas is on sale at uh, Fantastic Books, Ian Strock, the guy with the green eye shade. And after this session, i got to go up there and sign, sign copies for them. And just as a plug, the Science Fiction Writers of America cookbook is now available for order on this. And it has recipes by all the well-known and lesser-known science fiction writers in the freaking universe <laughs> in this thing, all of whom have had turned their imaginative energies toward uh, writing some 
rather strange recipes. <laughs> Please tell me there's not one there to serve man. <laughs> uh, close, close, close. close. So, okay. are, are there any that involve actually cooking the writers? <laughs> that was the uh, I haven't. I haven't read them all. I haven't read them all <laughs> on there. Uh, anyway, I'm Bud Sparhawk, and I've written, published uh, well over a hundred short stories, I guess, in uh, 42 in analog. Uh, Isaac Asimov wrote 48 for Astounding, which was the analog's predecessor. So I only have to sell seven more stories before I die to beat Isaac. Anthologies, and I've got two no- two novels. And uh, do we have a countdown on... clock for that? Uh, am I going to? No, 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 a countdown clock. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. You know how yeah. close you yeah. are. Yeah. You know? To death? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, my God. Right there. Oh, my she, God. She just demonstrated the power of the words. Yeah. The very few number of words that you have, make sure which direction you, they can be taken. <laughs> you could go the wrong way. Yeah, exactly. Now everybody thinks that I want to see when Bud Sparhawk's going to die. It's like, no, no. I, just, I just had the thing. I'll write a terminal story. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you could be like Terry Pratchett and, you know, write his, his yeah. uh, memoriam there. Conversation with death, yes. Yes, yes. Okay. I think Martin's back. You guys just body body surf him across. Information okay. <laughs> gave me the wrong information about where this room is. Oh, well. I am not happy about this. Come on in. Come on in. Martin, would you like to tell us who you Something are? Explode, yes. But I gotta get my notes out because I can't remember after being around at the hotel. Well, so Martin was on a ten o'clock panel last night when we proceeded for his mind apart. I guess you're still trying to pull that one together, huh? Yeah, that 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 one was one for the books. It was really good. Okay. Everybody gets a tenth court except me. Right, that's who I am. Um, Okay, so I'm Martin Berman Gorvine, author of six published science fiction books. Most recently, Heroes of Earth, um, which I will be reading from today at 5 p.m. in the Chesapeake Suite, or room 1011. You're just supposed to get the introduction or get into the... Introduction, just the introduction. Okay. Your short story of who you are. That will do. Okay. Well, I'm your moderator. I'm Joy Ward, and I've been writing for many, many years, started nonfiction, 80 to 100 articles of nonfiction, which are basically short stories. Because yeah, they're stories, um, but I've got other things out there, including stories and anthologies, and a novel, and paranormal, and oh yeah, I do a column in Galaxy's Edge where I interview the masters of science fiction. And this month is David Brand. I can't remember. Um, and uh, next month I think is David. Or next time is David Gerald, since he's going to be the um, our guest of honor at Sasquan. Hello? Do not lean on the switch. Yeah, please don't lean on the switch unless you're going to do like some strobing effect or something. I don't know. Um, Okay, and let's say we're here for stories. Now, what we've just done is we've all given you a short story of who Mm -hmm. we are. Um, Why don't we start on the other end? There you go, Josh. Mm -hmm. Josh, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, Josh, and tell us your best uh, story on, on writing stories. What... Um, well, I think the, the biggest thing I wanted to say about how to write a short story, how to effectively pack an entire world into very, very few words, is um, you shouldn't feel compelled to give us 
to, to, to basically info dump us on what the world is like. You've got these characters and they're living in this world, just have them live in the world. I mean, if, if they, as they act out their everyday lives, they're going to experience the world and you're experiencing the world through them. So, you know, when they, when they go to the temple and they start worshiping their God, you don't have to go into, you know, this is the God of this and there's seven other gods and they're, you know, you don't have to go into all those details. Do what is important for that particular character and that particular story and, and just leave it. Don't, in a short story, you don't have the room and you shouldn't feel compelled to give the reader absolutely everything about that particular world. You should give them only essentially what they need to know to understand that character and to understand that story. And that's it. And I think people feel like they have to add more and add a little more and add a little more. And, you know, you can get away with that a little bit in a novel. Not much, but a little bit more in a novel. But not a short story. You don't have the room. What happens, I kind of follow up on that, what does that do to the reader when you do that, when you basically info dump them? That yeah. It takes them out of the story. I mean, they're not living in the story anymore. And the person that's trying to read a short story, that's not what they're looking for when they're reading a short story. If they wanted that, they would pick up the, you know, 1,000-word fat fantasy novel, you know. If, that, if they wanted to immerse themselves in the world, that's where they would go. If they want to immerse themselves in a character or, or in a particular story, that's where you go into the short story market a little more. As you know, Jonesy, the aliens attacked. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. It, 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 I don't know. Info dumps are boring. And mostly they contain information you don't really need or want. as an info dump. It should, be, it should be just information that you kind of catch along the way as you're living this character's life. So I'm going to I'm going to tag on to the end of that, and it's you know, I, I think a little bit of what you're saying is you don't have to give the reader everything, but you as the writer need to know all of those things. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge proponent yeah. of world building. I love that part of it. I have an entire world created. I know all the countries and all the capitals. I know all of the political patterns. Oh, I know all of that stuff. But you can't show off your work. Right, so, yeah. but that informs mm -hmm. how your characters will act. And as long as they are consistent in their actions, your world building, your knowledge will show through. I think that's what the info dump is. The info dump is the writer saying, this is me figuring out how my world works, and then you have to take that out. Because that's not, you needed it for yourself, but you didn't need it for your story. Good. These guys are talking about basically about creativity, and as far as I'm concerned, that's not how you write a write an effective short story. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a five minute precis of a, something I've presented a number and written about a number of times. Basically, a short story is a joke. It has a beginning, a middle, punchline, and a denouement where you get off the stage. The structure of a short story is you have a beginning, you have a three part middle, you have the epiphany. And they had the denouement at, at the end. You take e these, set them up as, as, as scenes. In each one of those, you say who's the protagonist, who's the antagonist, where is it taking place, when is it taking place. And you put those cues on there. Then you set it, decide which one is going to have humor, which one is going to have pathos, which is where you're going to have the dramatic point, where you're going to have the high point, where you're going to have the action, and so forth. And you've basically got the story all constructed. All you have to do then is sit down and throw words at it. 
But that's basically the essential of writing, writing a story. And it doesn't have to be exciting or anything like that. You just have to p- go through the paces and fill those, those spots, spots out. I should say the beginning in a short story should take place, in my opinion, one microsecond before the epiphany. And everything else is backstory and fill-in. Cool. Martin? Okay, Works well, for me. Here's the part where I show that I'm minimally qualified at best for this, for this panel. 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 Um, <laughs> now, as I mentioned, I have six books out. But um, I now have a, short, uh, I have a short story coming out um, uh, in a new anthology called Brave New Girls. Um, uh, it's feminist science fiction about girls and gadgets. That's actually only my second science fiction short story publication and only my third published short story in any genre. And that should tell you that writing short stories is not the same as writing novels and it's not as easy as it looks. Um, so the short story is definitely not a truncated novel. Right. Um, it's an entirely different literary form. Um, for one thing, there's very little scope for character development in the short story as compared to the novel, which in its original literary incarnation is all about character development, in the interiority or, or, or psychology of the character. Um, and the short story deals, by contrast, mainly in plot. Um, it doesn't have to have a trick ending, but outstanding examples of short stories with trick endings, like you know, classic O. Henry, or in a very different mood, um, Roald Dahl's short stories for adults um uh if you read those they offer great insight into how the mechanism of the short story works yeah josh you had something you're raising your hand up no no no, no. i had just resting on the back of the chair oh okay, okay sorry sorry <laughs> i was like second knew so. somebody was about to tell me i was all wrong no, <laughs> you well, know. You know, the one thing i worry about with short stories is am i giving the reader enough because i tend to be on the opposite end, I tend to be with the the idea in art is that your real story in art is that it's in the blank, the white spaces. And I tend to write like that, mm-hmm. so I have to be careful that I'm I give you enough information. Because, I mean, we've all read stories where they jump into the story, and all of a sudden you're somewhere, you're not really sure where, you're not sure who's talking, you're not sure why they're here, you're not even sure, and after about a page, you're not even sure why you're still reading. You know, and so that always concerns me. Yeah, yeah, one I'm, of the, I'm things, the opposite. Oh. I do I overwrite. Uh-huh. I end up overwriting, and I have six thousand words, and I end up with twelve thousand. <laughs> overwriting like, is the most okay. Now I gotta cut this problem. down. Yeah, yeah. Case in case in point on the, on the essential of your short story's got to tell the make make a strong point. Mm-hmm. Uh, any short any short story that's worth its world has a point and will stay with the reader for some time. Mm-hmm. Now, in the current analog. I got I got a story in there called Delivery on there. This started out as a four thousand word story, and I kept editing and crooning this thing to get to the essential heart of the story. And as published, it's eight hundred and sixty words. Wow! Whoa. And that went through a lot of editing on there to get it down to its its core essential point, yep. which is I wanted wanted to make as sharply as possible. Wow! So, so I threw away a lot of money. <laughs> well, but I think you bring up a really important point. That is proves that you're a writer. It, it, well, is, <laughs> the, the important point is that the words that you choose are vital. 
when you when you have that limit, those are your tools. If I told you you need to build a shed and I'm only going to give you ten nails, mm. where you put those ten things are really important. And where you pick those words, you have to know not just in, for your story how it works, but what is what is the job of that word when you for for a science fiction story, and it's it's different than other stories. If you were to say the main character flew across the room, well. Most non-science fiction people will say, oh, he ran really quickly, and that's the, the image that they get. But a science fiction writer, you have to stop and think, what, did he actually fly? So picking those, act, picking those particular words are really vital. Take, go back. I had an editor tell me once, go back and look at every single word. What mm-hmm. is it doing? Mm-hmm. If it's not doing enough, get it out. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the game that we all used to play with matches. Not that game. The other game. (laughs) You know, the one where you... Pick up sticks. Pick up... Yeah, it's basically pick up sticks. It's like you're supposed to move one match, and it's supposed to make this sign or whatever. And it's kind of like... That's a different way. It's a different game. That's when we all got different games. Goes back to your your point about flying. I say a different game with matches. He's got pick up sticks, and I don't know what you had, Martin. I'm (laughs) making me a little nervous there. But no... (laughs) You like to play with Start fire. Start horses. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. the reason I thought of pickup sticks is because you got you got a pile, and you're, you're taking the sticks out on there, and each time you take it out without collapsing it, you're revealing more and more of the you're fundamental right. structure that's there. Absolutely. And you take out the non-essential sticks. Yeah. That's better than yeah. mine. No, that's what I do. I, 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 hate, have, to, I, have, I hate to push it. I wrote the whole thing. <laughs> no, I wrote the whole thing, and I, what I do is I write the whole st- story, and then I'm going through and I'm saying, okay, well, this is. I wrote this in here because I needed to know what was happening mm-hmm. in this world, and so you take that out because it's not there for the story, like the info dump sections and stuff like that. And you're doing what you were doing. You're taking a story and you're mm-hmm. narrowing it down, and. In general, a short story has one point, and that's yes, all you're exactly. going for, that one particular point. Now, a novel, you have room to do multiple things, and I think that's one of the significant differences between short stories and novels. It's a short story, when you sit down to write it, this is bad for epic fantasy writers like me, when you sit down to write it, you have to stick to that one point. And when I'm writing, I have a tendency to go off on these little tangents and I say, oh, that's a cool character. And, and you got to cut all of that out. You got to trim it all back and stick to the one point, the one character, the one theme, the one whatever it is that you're shooting for in that particular story. Yeah, I started having a conversation with Gail Martin and I said, she writes, she writes relatively short stories, like 10,000 uh, page books and all. And I was saying, you know, you, you write a story about two knights, and they're going to spend the night in the woods, and they gallop into the woods, and it's very dark and foreboding, and they're not sure they can reach the other side, so they make camp. And while one takes his stuff off the horse, horses and, and puts them out to graze, the other one builds a fire pit, and they gather fire, they sit around and talk about this, and wonder how dangerous the wood is that they decide one of them must stay awake during the night because there's strange noises as darkness falls. And they sit there through the night, and in the morning they wake, and there's footprints around them and all. And they saddle their horses up and run out of the, get out of the woods as fast as they can. That's a novelist. A short story writer would say, they stop for the night in the woods. The next morning, <laughs> but I, I think it, it, it's it's making making the point. The novel you can wander all over the landscape and bring up things that have absolutely nothing to do with the plot. 
right. uh, and discuss, you know, the price of juju berries in Indonesia or something if if you want. It's 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 a free form on there. Uh, and if you're a good enough stylist and writer, well, for a certain kind of novelist, I mean, some writer, some novelists are very spare, yeah, and would not would not do that. Others, I I, I think of um, Orwell's essay on, on Charles Dickens. I mean, it's all curly cues. Yes, um, but yeah, absolutely, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's very little, if any, room for ornamentation in the short story. Okay, well, let me ask you because uh, we've all read short stories. What is the most powerful short story you've ever read, the one that's had the most impact on how you write or even think about writing short stories? Give me a minute to think. Martin, we're going to hit you first. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 in, in, in an absolute sense, I couldn't really answer that because there's so many short stories that I, I, I love. But um, one that sprang to mind immediately, mm-hmm. science fiction fantasy, is Avram Davidson's Or the Grasses Grow. What's the importance of that? story it is let me explain it i mean it's 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 a cosmic revenge story on okay. behalf of all of the peoples of the earth who have been you know pushed off their land and exterminated and pushed aside by the powerful and victorious of history what um, does he do to make that 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 story that powerful what is it about that story I mean, is it the the way it's written? Is it the subject matter? Is it, you know? It's, uh, well, I mean, the subject matter is intrinsically powerful, but um, without, I mean, it's, it's, it's Davidson's wonderful writing that, that, that makes it. Um, he has, uh, he has an ear for dialogue for the way people talk. Um, and uh, that, that's, that's what really makes it. A lot of it is in dialogue. Hey, bud. Fred Brown. Fred Brown was the master of the short, short story on there. And the one's most memorable is the one that everybody here knows, whether they know, know it's his story or not. It's where they, you, these scientists create a computer, an all-powerful computer, and ask it, is there a God? And the computer answers, there is now. And zap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. But I, I try to emulate Fred Brown in getting, getting short getting short as I can, even though, and this is a big fight for me, my natural length is 20,000 words, but the novella market is crap right now, so you've got to work short. Um, I should just return to, I mean, describing this story doesn't, you know, it doesn't really work. It is, it does work. Like, Were you the one who said it's like, a, the short story is like a joke? Yes. Yeah, this one is like a cosmic, it's like a cosmic joke, um, because it's about an Indian tribe it's being pushed off its land, and they protest to the U.S. government agents, but you have a treaty with us that says we, we will live on this you know, crappy reservation you've mm-hmm. allowed us to live on for as long as the sun shall shine or the grasses grow. Um, and they say, no, you've got to be out of here um, tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, there's these strange noises in the night, and... Um, the uh, then the Indians all disappear and uh, the sun doesn't come up the next morning <laughs> and the grass is all dead too. It is a cosmic joke. We'll yeah. Yes, sir. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find the title because okay. it's out of print. Uh, I believe that it was an anthology called Magic for Sale, and it was all 
short stories about little <coughs> shops. And there was a shop that the name of the shop was What You Need. And the entire shop, you walk in, and the person would give you what you need, and then you come back and pay him what you think it was worth. It was it was so well done. And I was just like, I, I need, even now I'm getting goosebumps, I need to be able to come up with that kind of idea to pack into something that's just, and it's just in the middle of this anthology. I'm trying to find out. <laughs> what, what made that story so powerful? I don't want to give away the... I don't want to spoil it. I mean, not that it's a spoilers for a 30-year-old book. Spoiler alert. Okay. Um, I have a, I've never read it. I have, I've seen it. Well, it's, now you have to read it. There's, there's a lot. I'm, I'm, I'll find it before we're done. Okay, Josh, uh, we'll come back then. Yeah. You keep looking. Um, okay, so I should probably plug somebody that's in one of my anthologies, but I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Give us an honest the, answer. The... So I started off writing the big fat fantasy novels, right? I still write big fat fantasy novels. And I wasn't really interested in the short stories. Um, but uh, I don't know, about 10 years ago or something, I got invited to submit a story to a short story anthology. And I told them right off the bat, I said, well, I haven't really written this. And when I started writing the short stories, I was fighting myself because um, I was trying to... I couldn't convince myself that I could portray a powerful, I could get across a powerful emotional connection to a character in 6,000 words. I was used to doing it over the course of a book where you live the person's life and, you know, and then, and then tragic mm -hmm. things happen. And, and then you, you know, you're empathized with the, with the character and whatnot. And I was like, how can I get something that powerful into 6,000 words? And then I read this story, and I don't remember the story's title, but it was in the anthology called uh, Fur Fantastic. And the, the, it's the only story in there about hamsters, so you should be able to find it. It's about <laughs> hamsters. And the whole story was about the hamsters trying to escape their cage because the kids that own them um, were, you know, cruel kids. And so they were trying to escape the cage. And in the course of the story, I... And it's a really short story. I got so involved and so connected to these stupid little hamsters that when, you know, what happened at the end of the story happens, I was crushed. I was just like, oh, I can't believe they did that in a short story. And I can't believe I, I have just reacted this powerfully to those events in this little short story. And so that short story, that one short story about hamsters escaping their cage... <laughs> And the house was so powerful, it convinced me that, yes, you can indeed create in 6,000 words a character. You can get the reader to connect to that character and you can and care about that character enough that by the end of the story, you can make them have some huge emotional reaction. How did he get that? How did he make it that powerful? It, well, I mean, it, it's, it's essentially the same thing that you're doing in a book, except you've got 6,000 words. And it's, I think what I learned from that is that is the focus. That you really, really have to focus totally down in on that one character. And in this case, it was that one hamster and the relationship of that hamster with the other hamster that was in the cage. Okay, and, and the whole story was that hamster, the other hamster, and them trying to escape. And there was, you know, there was a cat and, you know, other things going on. But it was, it was the, focus in on that one hamster and the, and, the, and the hamster's partner and that's 
that's where I realized that the difference between the short story and the novel is is that focus. You cannot do anything else except that one point. And in this story, the point was escape. That was the whole thing. Everything came down to escape. Wow. I found it. Yes. And, and sometimes the point is what it is what you are not expecting. Mm-hmm. So in that story, what you need, the the again, spoilers, the, the catch was that the shop owner had a magical device in the back mm-hmm. that allowed him to see into the future of the people who came to his store. And he would give them whatever it was that he saw that they needed. Well, the, the kicker to the whole thing is he saw someone come in who was really an awful person. And what he gave this person, if I remember correctly, was a pair of slippery shoes just before he went on to a train platform. <laughs> So it was not at all what you would expect because you're thinking, how is he going to come back and pay for whatever? But but the whole point was this guy was never coming back, and that was what he needed. So that kind of really <laughs> threw that twist in just that short amount of space. And if you're interested, it was Magic for Sale, uh, Avram Davidson. Davidson. Yeah, also, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that was a good story. So in well, he's the editor. The other stories in there include names like uh, Alfred Bester, Robert Silverberg, Robert Block, uh, Harlan Ellison, Ray Bradbury, Theodore Sturgeon. Oh my God! So what's the collection called? Magic for Sale. I need to. It has been. If you can find it, definitely go pick it up because there is some masterful work in there. He's got a copy. You better run. Yeah, I was gonna let, say you're about to be mugged. Let me say something slippery, slippery. Let me say something else. <laughs> in a slightly in a slightly different direction here. But early in my career, I was I was writing a story about a girl gets hurt in an automobile accident and it comes to a conclusion and all that. And uh, I went down to the mailbox, and this is back before the internet, of course. Went down to the mailbox, and there were five middle envelopes in the mailbox. Now, for those that of a certain age, five middle envelopes in the mailbox meant you had five freaking rejections. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'd only sold about uh, half dozen stories uh, at that point, and I was really, really freaking depressed. Plus, I didn't have a job at that time, so I was really depressed. And I got back in, and I said, uh, Barbara Delaplace was running with now called a blog up in Canada and all. And uh, that evening, I after I stopped crying, I uh, sent her sent her a message. Says I'm through. I, I'm I'm not going to write another damn word. You know, it's clear that I've I've lost the magic. You know, all these rejections. Send. You know that's really strange. She's in Canada and I'm over here in this time zone, and she's reading this story right now. There's an idea there. And I started writing, the st- changing the story a little bit. And the next morning I woke up and I thought, you know, I'm going to go out with a bang. So I said, you know, having a traffic accident is too tame. I'm going to give her ALS and have it linger for half the story. And I'm going to kill her dog, damn it. And I'm going to have a funeral scene in there with a lot of crying and a lot of relatives. And I'm going to make her really likable in the first part so you really feel the pain and agony of this thing. And I pulled every schlock trick that I could think of <laughs> to get this damn story just melodramatic as possible. And I sent it off to Sandman and said, that's it. My writing career is over. 
Well, he accepted it. <laughs> so I, I, I was having dinner with him out in San Francisco, and uh, I said, you know, I, I said, thank you very much for the check. I said, it was very nice, but, I, you know, I, I'm really embarrassed by that story. And if you want to pull it, I said, I will tear up the check and we'll never speak of it again. And he turned to me and he said, Bud, it's the best thing you've ever written. <laughs> now, the takeaway from this is if you're writing a story, don't be held back by shame. You know, <laughs> everything, use whatever tool is available to you to make the story effective. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I did that with a horror novel I just wrote. And my wife said, you were what? <laughs> and then she, she thought about it for a minute. She said, okay, if, it, if this act, one actually makes money, I won't say another one. <laughs> okay, we've just got a few minutes. Now we'll go questions. You guys have been so quiet. So yeah. nice. I think yes, they're dying of heat well, exhaustion. Well, no, it's possible. I, I, I keep hearing that writing sh short stories is harder than writing novels. Mm -hmm. And I don't quite understand why, why that's said. The only thing I've ever written is short stories, and I'm not even sure what makes a novel. I wonder if you can explain what is the, the difficulty that people have to overcome. I have been asked by a lot of novelists, how do you write a short story? And I can't explain it. You're either, you're either a short story writer or you're a novelist. My advice to anybody that's writing in any way, you write a story until it's long enough. And the length of the story depends on what you're writing. You might write and find that your story is 20,000 words, 6,000 words, 150,000 words, or whatever. But the story will find its own length eventually, and that's what you're going to, going to write to. Don't write to a specific length. Well, that's like how Johann Sebastian Bach said, I, you know, I didn't do anything special. I mean, anyone who, you know, worked, you know, anyone who put in the work on, on composing could do this. And, you know, really, when he says the story is as long as it needs to be, there's a lot behind that, you know, that's, that's, that's hard to explain. But I think I agree, I mean, that, that you're either a novelist or a short yeah. story writer, basically. And I probably am more of a novelist because... I, you know, uh, the characters take on lives of their own, which sounds really strange and and, and mystical. But they really, they really do. And I want to know what happens to them. And it's very hard to have that happen in a short story. Jumping on that, you guys down there? Yeah, oh. way down there. Uh, yes. Not now. You've now met my superhero alter ego, easily yes. distracted man. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has a lot of fans. <laughs> um, I, writing, when, when you start to talk about writing something short as opposed to writing something long, I still go back to what words you use. And I get, I, I try to be very short and very punchy. Mm -hmm. I try to get things out, and, and I struggle sometimes to make things longer. Um, so I, I have trouble seeing it in the other direction, but I can also say... I've seen there's a website out there that runs a little contest, six-word fiction. I'm only give you six words. Which six words do you use? And that's so frustrating. Because I'll get, and I'll be like, no, that doesn't work. Scratch it out. And it's, and it's really interesting practice. That's an excellent exercise. That would, I mean, if you, if you try that, that will, that will show you what's involved in writing a short story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, Josh, um, I think I kind of disagree that you can't that you're either novelist or, or a short story writer because I'm doing both. But and I think I'm pretty good at the short stories. Oh, it's like being ambidextrous. I mean, it's a very small um, 
you but know. It, oh god, well, I took my right arm like to the ambidextrous. Thought I was <laughs> <laughs> okay, Josh, Josh, just come back. Come on. Oh, I'm sorry, that was funny. <laughs> For those of you who couldn't hear, Bud said he would give his right arm to be ambidextrous. <laughs> okay. But but I like I said earlier with my story, I mean I was was the novelist and it took that one story to convince me that I could do what I was doing in a novel. Mm-hmm. in a short story. And it didn't happen. I mean, it's not like I read that short story and then I sat down and I could do it. <laughs> that short story convinced me that it was possible. And then I had to work my ass off to figure out how to make it happen. And um, so I think you can do both, but I do think that, that you, you have... One or the other is your natural tendency. My natural tendency is the novel. Um, I mean, I have to, I have to fight to write the short stories. Because I start writing the short stories and my natural tendency is to start building it up into something bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well, well, that's like me, yeah. That's what I was saying. Well, one I thing, one thing that, Yeah, but, one thing that should be noted is mm-hmm. the, the writing of your story always begins with the second draft, not the first draft. The first draft is a story you're telling yourself. The second draft is the story you're telling your readers. Yeah. And you, the editing process starts taking place. And that's where the story starts taking place start taking shape. And I, I just wanted to say really quick that the novel doesn't mean you can throw in any words that you want. You're still, when you're writing a novel, you're still at the end when you're doing your second draft, you're still looking at the second draft and saying, what can I cut? What can I cut? What yep. Do I need this? Do I not need this? You know, you're still doing the same process. You just have more room. Well, my basic rule is, and I learned this early on, was nobody ever has to read your, are there any under 18s here? No. Nobody ever has to read your shit. Ever. Whatever it is. And that's especially true in fiction because they're yeah, doing it for the fun. impression that eighteen year olds don't know about shit. Well no, but some parents <laughs> you have to ask, you little, have to ask yeah. under I'm nine. Right. No. Probably true. Probably true. No, you're right, you're right. But the point is is that you're right. So you can't just wander on about the whatever. brick siding or whatever, you're right. Now this lady had a this was actually more of a comment. You mentioned the six word stories. Um the Drabblecast does two other competitions. One is for one hundred character stories, not counting spaces. Those are a real challenge, but I find even harder are one hundred word exactly stories. Have you ever tried any of those exercises? We did one thousand word there was a couple of us who tried one thousand word exactly stories. They're hard. Wow. Really hard. There was that book that somebody in France wrote where where um, it didn't use the letter E. Yo, oh, God, oh, yes. God. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. I have enough frustration. Could each of you talk about how you pick your top, pick your story, pick your topic for your short stories? Wow. Would you guys like to? Josh, can I can I jump in first? Sure. Because I got great, I got a great thing from this. I learned from a master. Okay. Um. Now, why am I why am I drawing a blank on his name? Because he said it's out in his it's out in his book, um, Schenectady. Oh. You, it, it, who's who's with me on that one? That you that you remember that he, it came from Roger Schenectady. It came from no, Schenectady. it came from Schenectady because in the year. Yeah. thank you long year because at the very front of it he put in the book he said he said we're so tired of hearing this question of where do you get your ideas? And I told a reporter I put up a. a a self-addressed stamped envelope in the mail and send it off to Schenectady. That's Misty Lackey. That's her common answer. Yes. I, yeah. And so it, I just thought that was so funny, and I had to share that. I, I mean, I don't. You know, I don't mind answering that. I mean, but, to, to me, it's 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 you know, 
it, it, it's more a question of selecting what's workable or not even workable. You know, what's fun, what I really want want to do. But, I, you know, I, I mean, the ideas come. It's like drinking from a fire hose. I mean, you can't really, I mean, at least for me, you can't really shut it off. Stephen exactly. King, in a recent interview, said, uh, the, the interviewer asked him, said, uh, you know, do you write down all the ideas that come to you? And he says, I never write any idea down. He said, because, he said, a writer, he says, an idea will keep recurring and recurring and recurring. And finally, it takes such an importance in your mind, nothing to do, but you have to write write it down. That, that happens with, with my novel ideas. I mean, they will niggle at me in my mind for many years until I have to finally, you know, to, to, to get that to stop. I have to, uh, I have to write this. Like that, with my first novel, the idea for that, what if, you know, there's so, there so many stories, what if the Nazis had won World War II, and it's sickening, and I'm sick of them, um, you know, and I said, well, you know, what if the Holocaust hadn't happened? What if nobody had ever heard of the Nazis, and all those European Jews were still there? That came to me when I was in college, um, partly as a result of a, po- of a poem I read for a course, and I didn't write it down. F- I, I, I wrote the novel more than 10 years after that. Okay, well, Josh? I, I was going to say that I'm going to answer this as a non-theme anthology. Obviously, if you have a themed anthology, you have to come up with something that fits the theme, right? But for non-themed, I, I would say it's, it's, it's not that you... Basically, it's you get an idea, and you try to write the short story, and it's either going to work or it's not. And, and so for every short story that I've had published that has worked, quote-unquote... I probably have 10 that I tried and it just wasn't working. And, and it's because, and I call it fermenting. It's because the idea hasn't fermented enough in my brain. Um, it's kind of goes along with what you said, Stephen King said. Um, I mean, you, you, I, I get an idea, but I don't write it down and I just let it sit there. And if it develops into something great and if it spoils, <laughs> then, then, oh, well, it was never meant to be written by me, apparently. Um, so, so I think what you do is, is if you get that kernel of an idea, you sit down and you try to write it and you see if it works. And if it doesn't work, you set it aside. And maybe later on it will develop into something else. And it's just law of percentages. Eventually you're going to get a story and you start it and it works. You said about themed anthologies. These are less frequent now than they, they used to be, I, I think. I got... I was sitting there fat, dumb, and happy one time, and Mike Resnick sent me a, an email and said, uh, I need a dinosaur story about 6,000 words in two weeks. <laughs> and I said, send me the guidelines. And he sent it, sent it back. Dinosaurs, 6,000 words, <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> yeah, and themes, I, I mean, not to, I, the, the Schenectady answer is fun and funny, but, but the ideas can be anywhere and anything. Yeah. And sometimes... Like particularly with this this themed anthology, I knew uh, dogs of war. I knew you know everyone was going for the military canine thing, and I said, well, how do I flip that? How do I make it something not expected? Which is where I tried to go with it, and I was successful enough that they accepted the story. Yeah, as an editor, that's kind of what you're looking for. Like I, we do themed anthologies with zombie zombies need brains, and we do open calls, and. When I'm reading through the stories, I'm kind of looking for the story that is the theme, but has flipped it somehow, that has twisted it in a, in a totally unexpected way. 
Um, but writing that kind of story is different than writing just general short stories because you have a theme and you know you're restricted a little bit in that sense. Like the zombie think... physicist, string theory physicist, walked around going brains, brains. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the best jokes are up here, guys. I'm sorry. In the back, I'm sorry. We've got all these jokes up. Okay, I think we had a question up here. Did you, have a question? Question? Do you have a it question? It was more comment. Okay, then you and then back there. Sorry. sorry. Uh, I, I'd actually like to get a little off. I'd like to hear you, if you would, since you write both short stories and novels. Mm -hmm. Tell us what you see as the difference in writing those two, because we've got a bit off, and I'd, I'd really like to hear what your take specifically is on that. Um, I think what it is when I'm actually sitting down and writing is that when I'm writing the short story, I, I, I have all these urges when I'm... Because I'm, I'm an organic writer, so I don't plan it out ahead of time. I, I'm not as formal as Bud sounds when he's writing, you know, this, 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 this. I just sit down and I say, well, this is where I'm headed, and that's how am I going to get there. And, um, and when I'm writing a novel, I, if I say, oh, well, that's kind of cool, I'll let myself go off on that tangent and kind of explore it a little bit and see what's happening with that idea or that character or that setting or you know whatever when i'm writing the short story i want to do that <laughs> but i stop myself and i say okay can't touch that that's my goal how am i going to get there and and i don't let myself wander when i'm writing the short story um, i might let myself wander in that direction later after the story's done and it's all complete and everything um but but actively writing the story, I try to stay laser focused on. This is the only thing I'm allowed. That might sound really cool, but that's the only thing I'm allowed to shoot for, mm. essentially. Would you say, Josh, that it's more a matter of how many themes you've got? Because in a short story, you've really only got the time to deal with one idea. Yeah. Whereas in a novel, you can, like you're saying, you can wander around. You know, you can have Bob's story and John's story and Tom's story, etc. Whereas if you're in a story, in a short story, it may only be Bob. Yes. Now, John and Tom may show to up. <laughs> right, exactly. And John and Tom may come in and say, hi, Bob, but you're not going to follow them. Yeah, and in a novel, I would follow them. Right. I would say, oh, you know, beginning Tom just to showed see... up, and here's Mary, and then I would say, oh, well, Mary kind of sounds like she has cool background. I'm mm -hmm. going to go off and explore Mary's background. I'm beginning to see where the problem arose in my short story where um, where uh, somebody who greatly resembles Bernie Madoff is released from prison after 150 years. Ooh. There were too many other characters and cool things going that, on. And that can get you. You're right. That really can get you. And um, yeah. along yeah. those lines, as an editor um, for our next anthology that's coming out, um, Lauren Gilman sent us her story for it. And um, as an editor, I read the story, and Patricia Bray read the story, and we agreed. We said she had two characters, and she was flip-flopping back and forth between the two characters, and... She wanted to give us this character's story and this character's story, and it wasn't working because it should have just been one character's story. So when we sent her our revision letter, our revision letter said basically you're going to have to pick one, and the story can be about that one person, and that's it because it's too, it's as a short story, it's getting too complicated doing the flip flop back and forth. There's there was too much going on. Does that answer your question? Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. Okay. Now, there was a question back here in the back. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, your, your, pre your answer to my previous question kind of logically implies that the, the way to write to length is to pick a, a story concept that needs that many words to, uh, to develop. Kind of. Oh, hard to do. That's yeah. very hard. Really hard to do. I, 
a good a good let's say six thousand words short story, which is the classic that most of the magazines want to see. Uh, generally requires you to write a twelve or thirteen thousand word story, mm. and then cut back, cut back, and get get it down to the essential. Uh, it isn't. It's it's hard. It's hard for somebody who is used to the long form to restrict themselves and to cut out their precious words. It's each one is just ripped right out of your heart on this. Uh, short story writer tries to limit himself up front. That almost never works for me because I, I keep wanting to go to that twenty thousand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's like I said, like you said, I start with a goal of six thousand, and I write twelve, yeah. and then I have to go back and figure out how to cut it down. Yeah, yeah. Maybe try try writing a very strictly limited poetic form, like a well, like a limerick, actually. I mean, that's that's got mm-hmm. some very strict rules. That's a good way. That's a good way to to. Yeah. Uh, but I discipline I don't know. It, it is a good yeah. discipline. It is, but realistically, what's going to happen is we are going to have to kill some babies. Yes. You know, yep. that's what Stephen King calls what you're talking about, where you've got words and they've got to go, you've got to kill the babies. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not talking about infanticide. <laughs> no one report me as an infanticide, okay? But, you know, so. And the thing is, is, you have to realize you're killing some babies, but you're keeping some too. And what you're doing in the short story is you're saying, here's the short story, these are the best babies, and everything else has to go. And you can collapse characters. Uh, in movies, they do this all the time. When they're taking a novel, they take a number of characters and collapse them into one character. So he has all these characteristics and events. You do the same thing in a story to shorten it up. So. Yeah. One, one of the things I found is that I start with a short story, it becomes a short story, and then it becomes a novel. So it's almost like the short story gives birth to the novel, or it gives birth to more stories. I've got one story that I'm working on right now with Walt where it's supposed to be shorter than it is. Well, what's happening is it's becoming a series of short stories and ultimately building into a novel the way it's going. So we start with 6,000, we end with 200,000. You know, it's just... And that happens with a lot of people because... There, Daw put out two anthologies, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago or whatever, called Novel Ideas. And they did a Novel Ideas Sci-Fi, Novel Ideas Fantasy, and the anthologies were the original short stories that birthed your favorite novels cool. after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And, and so it happens to everybody. One you of write my, a short story, and eventually later it becomes a novel. One of my novels came out of my only other short story, science fiction short story publication, which appeared in Interzone in 2006. So, yeah, yeah cool. I couldn't let that one go. And it's the whole fermenting idea. You mm-hmm. fermented enough, you got a short story out mm-hmm. of it, and then it sat a little bit longer and aged a little bit yep. better, and now yep. you've got the, the bottle of wine. Okay. I think it's time to wrap it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Any one last question. Who's got the magic question to finish this on? Oh, well, that's not pressure. <laughs> Do you have a sweet spot as far as the amount of time you want to spend on a short story before you become a writer? Twelve years. <laughs> <laughs> Honest to God, I've got I'm still selling short stories that I wrote back in the nineties and all. And wow. I, every once in a while they'll pop up and say, Oh, I, here's what I did wrong and I'll touch it up and send it off. Yeah. Yeah. I, sorry, getting your work out there sometimes you can get the feedback I, my one of my very first ones that I ever went was I, I had the story and the climax point and 
an editor looked at it and looked, just said, trimmed out the climax point and said, this is your story. Mm-hmm. Junk everything else, write this. Mm-hmm. So years later, that one went. So uh, it's hard to tell. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I work on it about a week or two, and then if it's I haven't figured out how to fix it, then I set it aside. So, but I might come back to it 12 years later and, yeah. and figure, I figured this out is, how to fix it at that this point. This is why my desktop is full of partially finished stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I want to thank you so much, and I believe we are at time now, so thank you guys. Great audience. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you can email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it, as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Richcreek. Send us stuff!